time and is now pastoring at Numa Church or what used to be uh, Bridge, Bridge Church and what used to be Richmond AOG, etc., etc. Um, his background is phenomenal. He's got a Salvo, Salvation Army background. Um, his parents were huge in the Salvation Army. Uh, at his mum's, his mum died at a very early age in her 50s and at her funeral um, they had an altar call and had something like 150 salvations at her funeral. So he writes this about his father recently. He goes, my dad Len, uh, Len Turner is a literal walking miracle. I want to share this because for those of you that know Corey, you need to know his faith. Because when he comes here and he ministers, stuff just happens, Yeah. He goes, five days ago, on the, well, when he wrote this, on the 22nd of March, he was rushed to emergency, suffering a second acute stroke in 20 years with two clots in his brain. When I arrived to see him, he was unresponsive, immobilized and unable to talk or move the left side of his body or process anything cognitively. Without any medication to assist him, I laid hands on his head and prayed in the name of Jesus for healing to invade his body. And literally 30 minutes later, in the middle of a CT scan, he sat upright, moved all his limbs, and talked fluently to the doctor attending. I saw him soon after, and he was a completely different man. The doctor said, we're putting you in the too-hard-to-explain basket. You ha you've had an acute stroke, and you shouldn't be able to do what you're doing. The doctors were pre prepping me for months of recovery. However, full speech and strength returned to every limb within 30 minutes, and 48 hours later, he walked out of the hospital, hospital and you wouldn't know anything had happened. The day of miracles is not over. And there's a picture of his dad worshipping at church. Yeah? Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves as Christians that this stuff is not just in the book. It just doesn't happen in developing nations. It happens now. He goes on to say, because of that, there's been this explosion of prayer through their church. And he encourages people, get along to prayer. If you've got a sickness, come go to the prayer meeting. Come along and get prayer. And so I say that, you know, if you're carrying something, it doesn't matter whether it's a mental illness or whether it's a physical illness, get to prayer, get prayer. Let, give God an opportunity to do something. He might rock your world, yeah? He might, he might you know, I won't say what I was going to say. It's be very rude. So we'll keep going. So that is an awesome testimony. Now, I want to continue with a theme that I've been on really the last month, and that's, you know, we're coming out of COVID. And in COVID, we all wanted to go back to normal. But the reality is what happens if normal is broken. And the last thing I spoke about was a sickness called hurry. Today, I actually want to talk about something else. I actually never talk about this stuff in church. I think in the 10 years that I have been here, I've spoken about it maybe twice. And the last time was 2015 or 16. But I want to talk about financial unhealthiness. I want to talk about money today. Yeah, great. Yeah, we're excited about money. Yeah, we're all rocking about that. So we're going to need lots of prayer. Yeah, lots of prayer. So what I say will actually be received well, that God might actually bring us to a place where we understand his plan and purposes for us in life. Amen. So let's pray because I need it. Father, we just pray that you would have your way today. Lord God, that not only will you inspire us, but that you will show us that you have a plan and a purpose for every single part of our life. That actually today, Lord God, we would walk away from this place set free from mindset, set free from things that have held us back, that we might walk into the purposes and the plans that you have set before us. And so we give you all the glory and certainly give you the reins for this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said excitingly, knowing what we're going to be talking about, amen. 
All right. So there are four things that we can do with money, generally speaking, okay? Four things. There are other things, but four things. We can give it, yeah, we can save it, we can invest it, we can spend it. They're the four main things. You could also burn it, but our money doesn't burn as well as it used to when it was paper, so it's probably not a good thing. You can make a paper aeroplane out of it. Again, it's not as good as when it was paper. It doesn't fly very well. There's a stack of stuff you can do with it. You can sink it. You can float, you know, all that. But generally in life, we give it, we save it, we invest it, we spend it. Now, in the 10 years that I've been at Mount Clear, there's been a whole bunch of stuff that's happened around money. Wages have increased, full stop. Go back 10 years, have a look at now, wages have increased. House properties have increased, yeah? The stock market yeah, has increased. There has been an increase in the realm of money, flat out, full stop, over the last 10 years. And yet, there's a sickness called financial unhealthiness that you'd be surprised how many of us, how many Australians, how many first world people uh, actually suffer with and live with legitimately. You know, they say that financial unhealthiness is equivalent to the increase in numbers in mental health and probably even greater percentages, and I'll get into some of that just to, to break it down a little bit so that it can be exciting, so that we all can go yes and amen as I'm sharing, yeah? So... We've had the stuff, this stuff that should be helping us, our wage increases, prices of homes, stock market, all of this increase, but it actually hasn't helped us at all. In fact, despite of all the improvements to do with money around us, they say in the life of church, even though there's been an increase everywhere, that there are still people that choose not to give to church, yeah? And there are people that have never increased their giving, even though just in my 10 years, there's been this constant increase in every area in church life, just some stats, yeah, to make you all happy and excited, okay? Good, I'm glad you're with me so far. <laughs> so even though there's been a huge increase over the years in income, us Aussies, like Americans, there's one thing that has been a total and absolute standout is that we've chosen not to save, not to, not to have a savings, not to save money. Now, I'm going to quote some, a couple of American quotes when I get into some Aussie stuff, and there, there is hope at the end of this, so just ride with me, is that all right? So the Federal Reserve in 2019 wrote this, when faced with an unexpected expense of $400 or more, 40% of people couldn't pay for it. Now, in Australia, they actually say that, not, not the percentage, but the dollar amounts around the $500 mark. That in Australia, when presented with a debt of $500, 40% Australians didn't have the money to pay for it there and then, all right? So, that's $500 before COVID, before the pandemic, yeah? Let's go back to COVID. I can't wait to go back to normal. This is really driving me insane. I need people. I want to go to a cafe and buy a coffee. We need to get back to normal. I don't want to go back to that normal. Like, I just don't. If that's what wealth or money, or, you know, that was like before COVID, I don't want to go back to that. I, I don't want to go back to the old normal. I want a new normal. Because as Christians, we've got a book, yeah? It's called the money book. It's called the Bible. Now, I, I'm prepared. Now, we don't bet in church. But I'm prepared to lay a bet <laughs> that you can get wisdom for every part of your life in this book including how to deal with money. 
Call it a Bible, call it a money book, call it whatever you want, call it a Melways, call it a, call it, what do they call those, the Refidex in Queensland? What a ridiculous name for a street map, a Refidex. Like seriously, or a UBD, Melways is where it's at. Call it whatever you like, but it has wisdom for every part of your life, including money, yeah? Now, as long as you agree with me so far, that's cool. Now, we know the story of Joseph. Joseph had the dream, the seven years of drought, of famine, seven years of plenty. Most Christians know that, yes. If you don't know it, read it in Genesis chapter 41. Have a great story. Skinny little cows, big fat cows, and you know, then the dream gets interpreted and basically it's seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. So read that. But the, the reason I mention that is Joseph was actually prepared for famine, and because of that, Egypt actually fared really well. So much so that we know in Scripture that he was able to look after his father and his brothers and their entire entourage, which was like a little nation, yeah, because he was prepared for the famine. And the reality is that for many of us, if we were to enter a famine, we would have no money saved up and we would, would be saying, we need to save up some money. We're in a famine. But I don't know about you, but when we're actually trying to save money, when you're in the middle of a famine, in the middle of lack, you can't do that. It doesn't work. You've got to actually have some savings. You've got to do something when there's plenty. Is that all right? Just common sense. So far, I hope this is common sense, yeah? But because of 2020, because of COVID, we've got here in Ballarat, you just pick the, the town, the city, there's businesses closing everywhere, yeah? There are people that are out of work, people that are on reduced hours. You've got people that are all over the newspaper. The job keeper is about to finish. We're going we're gonna to lose money. Well, you'll get an extra money, most of you, right? You know, but that's not the point of the sermon. The, the point is there are people that are actually suffering financially because of COVID. So we need to actually know this, you and I, we need to know this flat out, that COVID is not for us the last famine, yeah, that we'll ever face, yeah? It's not the last famine. It's not the last financial issue. It's not the last financial battle. If you have a look over time, there's, this is what happens on the stock market generally, and there's stuff that crashes, so there's seasons. So this is not the last thing that we're going to face where we think, geez, it's really tight right now. It's not the last thing. Now, the reason that I'm sharing this and all this is so that we get an understanding, Yeah? The, the Federal Reserve also said that with the increase in the stock market, this is in the US, it's actually the same for Australia, they recorded that 52% of Americans invested in the stock market, yeah, had an investment. What it also suggests is that even though the stock market's increased, and if you want to have a look at the 10 years that I've been here in, in Australia, at, at, at the All Ordinaries or the ASX, there's actually been a 41% increase in Australian stock market in 10 years, 41% increase. You've got 52% of people investing. That means there's 48% of the nation that gets nothing from that increase. You've got to let that sit in. 52% invest. You don't need thousands to invest, and I'm not here to be a financial planner. I just want to give you some God points in a second. But that means 48% of people who invest nothing get nothing. Nothing from a 41% increase. Nothing. They would be better even to invest in the bank. They would have got something over 10 years. Yeah? Let's keep going quickly because this is the, the foundation. Now, why, 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 why did they find themselves in this position? 48% of people in America shared none of it. Why? 
because most people don't save it or invest it most people spend their money full stop <sighs> great message Andrew let's go home now and celebrate Jesus <laughs> poor financial health actually affects every area of our life every single area now let me give you some Australian stats as far as the MLC is concerned they say an average of 50% of Australians live pay to pay yeah, 50%. That's five out of every 10 people can't survive missing one pay without going into debt. Five out of 10. Look around the room. It's half of us. Yeah, right? 60% of Australians don't follow a monthly budget. Mel and I don't necessarily do a monthly budget, but we have a budget. We, we know where some things have to go, yeah? We could get better. We legitimately could get better at this. 80% admit living above their means. Get this one. 42% rely on tax refunds to pay their bills or credit cards. These are Australian stats, right? 23% have no emergency savings. I actually think it's higher than that. Australians own more than $32 billion in credit card debt. That averages out to $4,200 per person that doesn't get paid back. I love Sundays at church. They're so exciting. Woohoo! How many credit cards do we have? Amen. See, that's cool. And, and I'll be honest, Mel and I went down that road um, probably about two or three years back just to, you know, because you use them. <laughs> it's fun to use them. <laughs> and if you don't have good financial control, they, it's dangerous. The average Australian household throws away approximately $1,036 in food every year. 1036 yeah, I reckon it could be more. They actually say, in fact, if they were to break it down to a percentage, 20% of all food purchased in Australia is thrown away. Australia, if that's the old normal, I don't want it. I don't want to go back to the old normal. Hey, COVID, I don't want to go back to the old normal. So where does that leave us? Do we want to stay in a pandemic state or where do we want to go? We need to create a new normal. We need something different. You know, because poor financial health affects everything, every area of our lives. It affects relationships. I don't know how many people that I have seen that are, uh, you know, husbands, wives, couples that are fighting because of money. Yeah? I talked to a girl just last night and she's on a, a, a carer's type uh, pension. She's getting, she did tell me exactly, $806 for this fortnight. By the time she pays her rent, pays her bills, she has less than $6 left for the fortnight. Her partner gives her no money at all and so they're fighting because there's no money for food. Just conversation last night. Yeah? It affects our health. Let me, let me explain how it affects our health. Now, you can agree or disagree. You're broke. You've got no money in the bank. You're living paycheck to paycheck. And I don't know how many times I may have made a decision, but maybe you're in the same boat. You don't go to the doctors for elective surgery because you don't have the cash. Don't go to the dentist because you know he's going to screw you to the wall and take every dollar you got just to clean your teeth. No dentist here? Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Otherwise, I'd be terribly offended. <laughs> oh, but you're a better one. Oh, we'll come to you then. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe we could after pay our teeth. <laughs> for, some, for some, they say it's been up to 10 years since they got their last pair of glasses because of money. It's all because of money, financial unhealthiness. So many of us forego some of all of that because we don't have the cash. So poor financial health actually affects every area of our life. It also affects our spiritual life, yeah? See, when we're living with financial issues, it can be really hard to hear the call of God. 
when you've got financial problems. Yeah? We'll be sitting there. God starts talking. He's calling you to do something. He, he might be saying, I want you to start this business or to, to go here and start this. I don't know. Um, the person that's currently teaching me the, the diploma in mental health has actually started a charity for the homeless in Frankston. So maybe he's, he's calling you to do something like that. And you've only got five bucks in the bank. Wow, that looks possible all of a sudden, doesn't it? And what do we start doing? We start arguing with the holy God. I can't do that. I hear God, I'd love to do that, but I can't do that right now. I don't have the cash. I can't afford to do that. Anyone be there? You know, the reason I think I can share this and have a little bit of a laugh about it is because I've been there many times and experienced this many times. You know, this doesn't just affect one of us truth be known it probably has somewhere affected all of us and for many of us probably still affecting us yeah we need a new normal because if that's normal i don't want it so most people believe the answer to their money problems is to get more money but it's not here's the takeaway for today got there right the real solution yeah is to wisely 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 use god's provision every single day every single day you know, when I was growing up, I lived well and truly above my means, above my income. Uh, prior to Mel's wisdom, so before life with Mel, <laughs> I had a credit card that was lovely. That got full. Got another credit card. That was lovely. That got full. Got another credit card because you get the next credit card to pay the other credit card while it's on interest-free. But while it's on interest-free, you, you get a slightly bigger credit card, so you use that. Then you need a car. So you just can't get the $3,000 car. You've got to get the fifteen dollars or $20,000 car. So you've got to get that. So you can't afford to fix it when you need a service. So you either let the service go or you get another credit card. Then you want a computer and Harvey Norman have got interest-free. So let's get that. So I had a whole stack of furniture and computer and stuff on interest-free. Interest-free is great until you realize you're supposed to pay it back. What, you actually wanted that back? Oh, man, the Bible tells you to give without wanting in return. You guys don't work like that. Oh, who, who could have worked that out? If only I'd known. Far out. Bible college didn't help me then. I think by the end, I probably had five credit cards that were max, maybe six. Uh, a second car, because I sold the other one to pay off the debt of the first one to get another one. I had a great credit rating because all I kept doing was moving my debt. Credit rating was awesome. But financially, I was totally unhealthy. I reckon about five, four or five years into my first failed, well, my only failed marriage, but my first marriage. <laughs> you know, you just got to think about the way stuff comes out sometimes, don't you? Well, my first marriage, that failed, I was bankrupt. So when Mel and I finally met and got married, the decisions I made in the past affected our future, yeah? If that's normal, I don't want it. I want a new normal. Yeah, we have to be God's stewards. The real solution to money is to wisely use God's provision every single day. And if we're faithful every single day, I guarantee you it actually causes something to happen. It makes no sense. It really, when you do the numbers, I can't understand how this all pans out, but something shifts. And I believe we actually see God move in our lives in a very supernatural way when it comes to our finances. So how, how, how do we use God's God's provision wisely every single day. Well, the first thing we have to do is we've got to ask a simple question. Whenever we're making a money decision, yeah, if you want to be a Christian, everybody here want to be a Christian? 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Some of you are thinking, I don't know where you're going. I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. So you've got to ask this question. Whenever we're making a financial decision, we need to ask ourselves this. Will this stop me living generously? Will this actually stop me living generously? Whenever we're planning to use money, whenever we're making a new debt decision, a car, study, house, will this actually stop me from living generously? See, most people, generalisation, yeah, no offence intended, most people don't live generously. Generosity actually doesn't exist in their lives for most people. Yeah? And there are two ways to see this. If this was, my kids play this with me, opposite day yeah, all the time it's opposite day can we get Mackins? no it's opposite day yeah that's great it doesn't work <laughs> but if this was opposite day yeah, if this actually was opposite day what's the opposite of giving taking receiving yeah if you're not giving the only alternative left is receiving is taking and so many people don't live generously. And if there's no giving, that only leaves taking. So when it comes to decisions where we, that we make with money, will this stop me living generously? 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with everything for their enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share... In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves. In this way, what way? What way will they lay up treasures for themselves? By living generously and being willing to share. How do we miss that? How as Christians, believers, do we miss that? So when I'm thinking and talking about generosity, I'm actually thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. I'm thinking about first fruits. I'm thinking about tithe. I'm thinking about 10%. We believe that in a church. We believe that what you get paid, you get 10% and you give it to God. You sow it into the house. Whether you wanted to do it gross or net, I'll let you work that out before God. Mel and I actually do it gross. That's what we believe. We totally believe that. It's Old Testament. Yes, it is. Amen. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you look in the New Testament, Jesus talks about tithing twice. And if we're going to live as New Testament Christians, we would go over and above the tithe. So to keep it safe for everyone, we talk about tithe. Because if we were to talk about Jesus, we'd be giving everything away. Yeah? So I'm talking about that, but I'm not only talking about that. When I'm talking about generosity... I'm also talking about giving to people, giving to others when we see them in need. Yeah? Because when we're making financial decisions, we have to ask ourselves, will this stop me from living generously? In that verse, there's two don'ts and five do's. It says, don't put your hope in wealth because it's uncertain. Don't be arrogant. Just stop it. Don't be arrogant. No one likes an arrogant person. Don't do it. Just stop it. And then it says, do. Put your hope in God because he's trustworthy. Do good. Do be rich in good deeds, do be generous, and do be willing to share. When we're making financial decisions, we've got to ask ourselves, will this stop me from living generously? I, I found it really hard to live this way, you know, if I'm to, to be totally honest, open, and transparent. That's what we preach in this church, to be that way. I remember going to my old church, where Mel and I came from, at Mooney Valley, and we were always, Mel and I were involved in ministry, so we were always catching up with people going out as a leadership team. And one day, my pastor, Joe, he said to me, I've been watching you. I've <laughs> been watching you. That's great, thanks. He goes, I've noticed that when we go out 
and it's time to pay, you're one of the first to pull out your credit card. Yes, I am. <laughs> he goes, but you never make it to the register first. True. I'd always find a way to end up second or to end up third. Because for me, it's like this, this could be the last 20 or 30 or 40 bucks that I've got. And so th that was just me. I grew up in a home where my mum's very frugal. You know, you, you get to speak to Mel. She's very generous with others, but very frugal with herself. And I just, I seem to have captured that. Yeah. And when he nailed me with that, he goes, you look like you're generous, but you never are. That challenged me to the, to, man, that challenged me to my soul. I don't want to be that type of Christian. I don't want to be that person. Man, if this is my last 20 bucks, then I need to learn how to give it and sow it and sow it cheerfully. Yeah? So if you're a budget person, I want to encourage you, right? If you're a budget person, make your first line God's tithe, God's giving. Yeah? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah? God's 50%. Like, seriously, whatever you want to call it. The 50 just sort of sounded good at the moment. But make your second line bless others before all your bills. I'm not a fan financial advisor. I am a God advisor. Yeah? Before all your bills. I did say it. I said it in case you missed it. Before all your bills. That pastor at Mount Clear is telling people to give their money away to God and to people before all their bills. Yes and amen. Because when you do that, God actually provides an opportunity for you to bless others. And it's in the blessing of others, you, you, you'll see God come through. If you put your bills and everything about life first, you're not we're not trusting God. We're just not trusting God, yeah? To put Father to the test, just try it. You know, remember the old Nike ad? from that TV show, you know, What Women Want with Mel Gibson, just do it. No one remembers that show? Really good movie. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll keep moving. Some of you need a, a, a movie-a-thon to be well, to have some of your theology founded. Anyway, put him to the test. If you put it in your second line, Father God will actually create opportunity for you to be a blessing to other people because you've put it there. So he'll make it, he'll, he will speak to you and you'll know the person, the time, the place, and you'll be able to do it because you've actually said, I'm going to put that 10 bucks aside. You've got to understand, when you do your budget, you don't have to say, I'm going to bless someone with $1,000 when you only get paid 500 It might be, this week, I'm going to give someone 10 bucks. You could be a cafe and you could pay for someone. You know, D Don't let the enemy blow the truths of God out of the water with untruths. Yeah, Is that all right? We need a new normal. And uh, let me ask this question. Are God's promises yes and amen? Of course they are. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. I love that line. Hold it back, don't give it to anyone and you will still get in return is not what it says. <laughs> I love this scripture because no one can get away from it. Please, pastor, leave me alone. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. If you're not actually experiencing it being poured into your lap, ask yourself a very simple question. Am I giving? Am I living generously? Yeah, It is a good word. Yes and amen to that. Will this stop, living, stop me from living generously? The second thing we've got to ask is will this stop me saving? Now this is a hard one because I don't do it naturally. My son Samuel, wherever he is, is he, oh there he is, Sam's actually just recently said to us, I want a savings account. You want, what do you want? A savings account. What for? Oh, duh, Dad, to save money. 
It's like, because we've got chalk and cheese here. We've got the saver and the spendthrift. <laughs> he, he actually, he, he negotiates. I've got $20. Can I spend it? Well, what do you want? Oh, there's this thing that I want. It's 36 bucks. But you've only got 20. I'll do the dishes. So we negotiate, we agree, and he breaks every contract. <laughs> he would be bankrupt. But will this stop me saving? It's the savings question. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. In other words, shelter and money together actually create a shelter for your life. It's a barrier for your life. It's wisdom from God. You're not reliant on money, but you're reliant on using it the way that God suggested that you use it. So this, is, this part's about saving. And if, for those that are here, if you've ever been a saver and now you're not, or the other way around, and you've ever lived in a moment of time where you've not saved, you actually know what I'm talking about because life's different when you've actually got like a little buffer it doesn't have to be a hundred thousand dollars and listen to me i don't always have a buffer i'm learning in this as god teaches me yeah but when you have savings you actually sleep better it'll be okay i'll be able to pay that i don't have to stress about that you actually breathe better you relate to people better i don't know if any of you have ever had this but let me share a parenting moment a failed parenting moment one of my many you know you're sitting there and you know what the budget is you know what the bills are you know what money you've got and you've been there for hours trying to work out how you're going to get this much money to pay this many bills yeah and you've got your kids running in and out of the house one door slam slam what's food is there any food there's nothing in the fridge there's no good food in the fridge but mom and they're going nuts around you and you're just thinking about how you're going to pay your bills and so you have this moment you go stop stop running what do you want you what 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 just tell me what what do you want i just wanted a hug from your dad I just wanted to tell you I love you. But we miss it in that moment because of financial unhealthiness. We're so stressed, captivated with that. We actually misread, don't relate properly to everything else that goes on around us. But maybe that's only me. <laughs> Why are we that way? Because we've made decisions in the past where we've chose to spend every dollar. Yeah? You know, some of you might be saying... I don't know if I agree with that. Listen, I have spoken to so many people over so many years now here at Mount Clear and when I was at Mooney Valley that have got financial issues, problems that are financially unhealthy because of this and they come up with every excuse under the sun. Every excuse why they've got no money, no savings, me included. But if we're to be honest and vulnerable, I said earlier, that's what we teach here, yeah? If we're going to own our stuff, yeah if we've been working for 20 years 10 years and we've got no savings how about we finally say hey i'm a part of the problem yeah seriously you've been working 10 years 20 years got no savings trust me you're a part of the problem i'm a part of the problem yeah with every money decision we make we need to ask ourselves will this stop me saving will this eat into my saving it's so hard to prosper with so with no savings but this is where most australians are at you know, I don't want, if that's normal, I don't want it. How many of you have done this? You're driving your car 
and you hear a new noise, right? And you know that's not right. I probably should go and get that checked. I know what to do. Pick my favourite CD, turn the music up. Yeah, can't hear it now. That's good. Let's just keep driving. And while you're driving, God, if it's my brakes, just fix them in Jesus' name. <laughs> Anybody else done that? Yeah. Now, I understand if you're a Bible college student, even a university student, but if you're working full time, we shouldn't be doing that. Maybe we should have put aside 50 bucks over a month or something just in case, you know? The real solution to money is not more money. It's to wisely use God's provision every single day. Will this stop me saving? You know, if, if we're going to get real and raw, if you've got no savings, no margin, I, I can almost, I won't guarantee, but because of having been there, coming in and out of that, speaking to people, I guarantee that you will replace a, a, a whole stack of feelings with these. Stress, worry, anxiety, frustration, anger. And worse still, when you're actually financially unhealthy and you're struggling to make ends meet, yeah, there's shame and humiliation, if we're to be totally honest. Yeah, which mo most people don't want to talk about those two. You know, you know does, does the way, do the decisions we make, do they help us prepare for the future? You know, this is the investing type question because I'm, I'm totally out of time. But 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generous, generously will also reap generously. So it's inferred here that the person who sows nothing will reap what? Nothing. Yeah? Nothing. So you've got to, we've got to ask ourselves this question, what, what is it that we're investing that we're going to reap? What, what type of harvest can we expect to receive? John Kellogg has taught me so many times, yeah, that even a farmer puts aside some of his seed to sow so that he'll have a harvest because if he doesn't, then there'll be nothing to sow. You know, he'll have no seed to sow and if he's got no seed to sow, he'll have nothing to harvest. So even he understands that you've got to put stuff away. Yeah? You know, who, who's got a big dream? One of those God dreams? And then you stop and you think about that God dream and then you look at your bank account? <laughs> And you think, if this dream's going to be a reality, God better do something because I just see the words, not sufficient funds. <laughs> not sufficient funds. You ever gone to the shop and you've gone to tap your card these days and you've used the wrong card or you didn't realise that your wife spent the last bit of money that's in there and it's like, sorry, sir, it says it's un insufficient funds. No, no, there's money there. No, it says insufficient funds. Let me just check that. <laughs> You're right, it's insufficient funds. Listen, can I leave my shopping there and I'll, I'll come back in just a minute. And you walk out and like, oh, I'm going to kill her. Can't believe she did that to me. You know, no one else has been there, right? <laughs> uh, the reason these dreams, these God dreams are so big is so he can show up and he can show off and we can never take credit for the way that he funds it and makes it happen. That's why he gives us those dreams. We should actually be a people that glorifies God when he gives us a dream that's so ridiculous that only he can actually make a reality. Yeah? Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. We don't have to work for his blessings. All we have to do is wisely use God's provision every single day. Yeah? To follow his principle, to ask the questions, you know?
Is this going to stop me living generously? Is this going to stop me saving? Am I, am I actually am I preparing for my future? Because the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil. That's what happens when we manage, I believe, we manage our money the way He's designed versus the way that we design. Yeah, there's a difference. It doesn't make sense how it works, but it just does. This is how it should work. I'm doing this first, making sure my bills are paid, and we all want to do that. There's, please, there's a fine line between faith and stupidity. Hear my heart, yeah? And we're doing all of this stuff, but it, we never, we just, there's never enough. Ne- there's never enough to make ends meet because the principles of God are the principles of God and they work and they're yes and amen, yeah? The answer to money problems is not more money, it's to wisely use God's provision every single day. Why don't we stand because I'm out of time. You know, some of you have a calling on your life, a calling where, you know, a calling where you're actually going to make, this is, this is for a, I feel like it's just for a, a person or a couple of people. Maybe if I just, can I ask everyone just for a moment just to close their eyes? So I just need you to ponder for a moment with the Lord. Emmy, um, are you able to play the keys in the background? Is that all right? Or is it easier for someone on the guitar? I don't mind. Guitar? Okay, cool. You know, I believe some of you here have a calling on your life and it's a calling where you're going to make less money. But you're feeling like you can't do it, you can't answer the call, you can't follow it because you've got these financial obligations because of decisions that you've made in your past. If, if we can live by asking ourselves the, those questions, you know, I believe that God will, God will make a way. We'll have less money, but we'll still prosper. I have seen it. At work, it makes no sense, but I've just seen it happen time and time and time again. God is faithful. You know, when we wisely live this way, God's way, He shows up and does things that we can't imagine. You know, I believe this house, Mount Clear, has been so faithful with our giving and the way that we've dealt with our money here. There there are doors that are opening at the moment, opportunities that we have as a church to, to have a childcare built on our land, to possibly you know, sell some land for the future, to future-proof this house so that in 50 years and 100 years it's here for our children and our children's children and their children. I believe that's happening now because we've been good stewards with what he's given us here. So let me ask you, what does normal look like for you over the past many years? Leading up to the pandemic, what was normal? Are you happy with it? Have you been honouring Father with your first fruits, with your tithe? Have you been living generously? Remember if it's opposite day. Have you been saving? Have you, have you prepared for the future? Or was, is this the time to say, my normal was broken? My normal was broken. If that's the case, then today, let's together as a body, let's make a stand between us and Father God. You know, what if we viewed money not as a problem to be fixed, but an opportunity to show Jesus to our family and to our friends? What if we chose generosity over self, self, selflessness over selfishness? What if we chose to share instead of hoarding? We saw where society was at during the pandemic. There are people that have got enough toilet paper to build a house. Because they weren't generous, they were hoarding. Maybe we should choose 
selflessness rather than selfishness. Yeah? What if we chose to look for people to bless? What type of person or people would that make us be? Yeah? I don't know where you're at with your finances, and so keep your eyes closed. But wherever you're at, if you want to see God's provision in your life, can I suggest that you just use His provision wisely the way He intended every single day? Ask yourself the questions before any decision. Will this stop me living generously? Will this stop me saving? Is this preparing for my future? Because some of us have dreams that include our kids and their kids and for our lives. Let's not rob ourselves of our future because we're missing God's principles in Jesus' name. So I believe in faith. I believe making physical motion towards faith. I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward today. But what I do want to do is, while everyone's in their seat with every eye closed, if that's you that wants to see things shift and change, you're broken was normal, I just want you to raise your hand towards God and say, God, I want to see stuff shift in my life. I want to see it move in my life. I want to see it improve in my life. Teach me how to use money the way that you would want me to use money because you are the most wise one. So, Father, with every hand that's risen, Father, every heart that's open, God, we just pray into this space today. Lord, it's such a difficult topic, Lord God, but you have such a good intent, Lord, for us as we walk in faith. Thank you for teaching us to be generous, Father. You showed us what it was like to be generous, Father, through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we could take up that mantle and be the most generous people on the planet. I pray, God, that we would be a community that would be the most generous community in Ballarat. I pray that we would find ways to be a blessing, God. Lord, with our finances, with our food, with the things that we have, that we would find a way to be a blessing to others. That, Lord, as we walk in your principles, Father, we would see all other things work together for good in Jesus' name. Father, we know that your word cuts like a double-edged sword through to bone and marrow, through to our spirit. And, God, sometimes your word can be challenging. But, Lord, we embrace the challenge to say we want to be more like your son. So bring it, we say. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, that we would be more like Jesus each and every day in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Woohoo! We got through a sermon on money. Yeah. Come on. It's not that bad. We can actually live a life the way God intended and see his blessings flow from generation to generation. Amen. Yeah.